your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So you better have the same energy. Yeah. Monica. Hey, guys. Hey, Breakfast Club. Hey, Monica. What's happening? Good hey. morning. Get it off your chest. Listen. Listen. Would you see a guy who is making minimum wages, but everything is good with him, meaning that sex is good, his conversation is good, energy is good. He does not, he just don't have a lot of money. But where does he work like, at? He works, he works, he does security. Okay. Because so, security is a good job. How old is he? Uh, he? He's in his early 40s. But I just don't, like, it's just that when we out, I'm paying half the bill. You know, like he just doesn't. He just doesn't. This is how you know girls don't really be wanting love. Y'all don't really be wanting love like y'all say y'all do because you said this man is cool. He got everything else, but you worried about how much money he make. This is how I know y'all I'm really don't be the one love. And you need to stop lying to yourself. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, would you date someone like that? Well, you are, and you're happy. The only thing you're not happy about is having to pay for stuff all the time. No, 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 no. That's not the only thing. I'm just, but if, you know, if you come in short, if you come in short all the time, is that, will that become an issue later in, later in life? Is what my, my concern well, is. As long as you're not making more money, it's going to be always I think the concern is more about his aspirations and what is it that he wants to do for himself, right? Well, my goal is pushing him to do better or pushing him to even look for a better job. He may be content with what he's doing, and that's mm-hmm. the problem right now. Okay, so you don't... He, he okay with making his minimum wage, and I'm looking like a bigger picture. Have you right. had the conversation the with him? Of course. And what he say? I mean, you know, you, you, can't, you can't force no one to do something if they don't have the willing and willpower to do it themselves. You can tell them all day long. Yeah, he probably don't have the aspiration. To do better and look for better, but if they're not pushing to do it, then you like... To a, to a but are you willing to, to lose love over some money? That's the dilemma. The dilemma oh, my God. Like, I know. Shit. Like, I'm thinking long term, though. I'm not like you. When you're of age, you don't want to freaking, you're not dating just to be dating. You're thinking, like, this needs to be a husband material, not yeah. a little boyfriend. And you I know, will I'm say, young girl. it's not just about the money. It's about his motivations in life, right? So that's my thing. Like, if right. I don't see that you're eager to do better, then how how can I see long term in you? If I see that you're content with a mediocre job that's making ten, twelve dollars an hour, and you're not pushing for greatness, like how is that? Yeah, why that's you, more why what the issue is. I want to go further with that. That's my that's my thing. You do realize most Americans want a better job, right? Most Americans oh, want a career. A lot of those things aren't available. Yeah, but if he's not trying, that's really an issue. When people are motivated and they're trying, they're going hard. I See can that? tell you all day long to go apply every day for a job. I can tell you all day yeah, long. Yeah, but the problem, but this is the so, thing. He might not be motivated by money. He might just enjoy life. He might not want to work work as hard and, and work harder. He likes his job. He likes the money that he gets, and he loves you. I don't. I don't see the problem with it. How about Americans want jobs, but not low paying hourly work? But a lot of jobs aren't available. I understand all that. I truly do. But you looking at long term like mortgages and, and bills and stuff that needs to be paid. You she can't got goals in life. Love. And you work and you work hard, so mm-hmm. I, I work a pretty decent job. So right. if anything, I'm looking like if I stay in this situation, I'm gonna be fronting most of the darn bill. So it shouldn't matter. You know, I ain't gonna front it. Should, the money shouldn't matter if you love somebody, because then what you gonna you you leave this dude, then you find somebody that makes a bunch of money. He cheats on you. He doesn't treat you right. 
But yet he pays the most, most of the bills. I hope you get laid off. I hope you get don't laid off. Don't say and then you'll then somebody. you'll understand what love is. All right. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you get laid off and all he got is that little minimum wage job. All right. And then you'll really appreciate that love and what he brings to the table. But we can't tell her where her okay. priority should be in a relationship. If it's important to her to have somebody. Trouble with somebody. This, you always causing trouble. No, man. I hope I don't get laid off. But I hope he finds a better job. Damn yes, man. there you go. She okay. wants him to get motivated. All right. All right. He Have might be motivated. Day. He might just enjoy what she he's doing. Love you more. Good morning. Right, Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up at any time. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Wake up. Wake up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on the Breakfast Club. Keith, what's up, Keith? What's up, man? I, I want to. I'm mad at Charlemagne, man. About when he came to Dallas, man, I gave him a, uh, a dope sh- matter sweatshirt. It's a brand me and my homeboy started, and man, he took it, but he treated it like a mixtape because uh-huh. he ain't never rocked it. What's it called? A dope stuff matters. Yeah, but sugar, honey, iced tea in the middle. Man, I'm like, I was at the book thing. I gave you the. Um, I think I did I wear that shirt, bro, bro. I, I, I'm not sure. I thought I well, did. Thank you, thank you. If you did, I appreciate that. I and think. Man, and, uh, don't quote me on that, man. Oh well, I, I wore too. You wore, well, hey, if you rocked it around the house, <laughs> I still appreciate it, man. You ain't treated like a mix. Nah, I had it on with no drawers. I was like Winnie the Pooh. That's a, lot, a little too much information, bro. JB. What's going on, MV, Angel Yee, and the God? Hey, What's JB. up, JB? How you JB, doing? What's up? Get it off your chest, What's well, JB stand for? Just <laughs> kinky this morning, man. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, Shouting out um, my son, Josiah, man. My four-year-old baby boy, man. Um, he the inspiration for me changing my life around. And um, I got a new promotion at my job. And with the extra money, I better promote my brand, Rich Fatherhood. Check me out on Instagram, man. Twitter. Rich Fatherhood. I like that. I like that. Now say it with a little enthusiasm. Rich Fatherhood. Rich Fatherhood. I got them for the mothers, too, man. Rich Fatherhood. I got some good, good girls out there, man. Check me out. All right, brother. Kershey. Hi. Oh, my God. Okay, I got them again. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I love so every single day. So, um, just wanted you guys' opinion. That's it. If I should keep going or not. That's all. Sing a little bit of it. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Seriously? Yeah, no. Go. go that was it. I got my girls in the club tonight. I ain't worried about a thing in the night. If you could home just pretend he's gone and leave all Woo! Man, heard it all before. I feel like I've heard that 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 type of record twenty million times. You probably got to hear it as a real song and everything. You and, the, you, you and the club going. You and the girls going to the club tonight. All right. You can sing though. No, you definitely. I listen to it, so it's different. Okay. All right. All right. We'll check it out, Mama. We gotta get you a new phone. The only way you can write a club, a record about going to the club with your girls and it'd be different is if you tell the truth about standing in line to get in, get in free before 11. You know what I'm saying? I'm serious. I mean, there's not too many Nobody songs does that. that don't have a theme we haven't heard before, though. That's not true. Mary Bell. Hi. Hey, fam. Hey, fam. Hi, fam. Hey, fam. What's up, fam? Get it off your chest. What's it called? We're up at... Three in the morning, so we're we're calling you guys. Oh, y'all in Cali, LA family. What's up, guys? Yeah, What's up, fam? Hey, Where the hell y'all been? Trying to get uh, through. We've been calling you, but we just haven't gotten through. Exactly. Oh, we thought you got locked up or something. No, God, no, no. Well, okay. And then we want to do a shout out to uh, Bernard at Footwalker. He's a part of the new. He's a, our new member in our 
Breakfast Club crew. All, All right. right. What's, What's up, Bernard? Bernard at Full Locker? Can I get the discount when I'm in town in Full Locker? Oh, oh yeah. I- I'll let him know. I'll let him know. Oh, All goodness. right. Thank I'll you. I'll myself in there. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great Friday. Millie. Hi. How are you? Uh, Millie's stressed out, guys. What's the matter? Very. So I've been dating, and it seems like every, di- every guy I date, they always tell me, like, I would make the perfect wife, but it never gets anywhere. Damn. Why would single? they tell you that? that? That's the worst thing you could tell a person. But you the would make is, the perfect wife. Do they but... make the perfect husbands? Um, there's one. Okay, not the rest of them. What is it about you that, is, it your, is your macaroni and cheese trash? Like, why wouldn't they, why don't you make no, the perfect wife? No, my macaroni and cheese is great, I think. How about body odor? <laughs> Great. Okay. Vagina. From what I'm told, perfect. Ah, breath. you didn't answer that with the same confidence as the mac and cheese. What about breath? I mean, I don't have any. I'm not blessed on the top, but I'm blessed on the bottom. Hey. You know? yeah. No, he said breath, not breath. <laughs> oh, just want to oh, 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 throw oh, that oh, out oh, there, okay? Because no, the way, because honestly, the way you said that, the, that the way you said that is like, yo, I'm blessed at the top, meaning your breath is cool, but at the bottom is a little older. <laughs> That's what I, you got to listen, no. you know. Well, I'm sorry, Mama. Did you try Christian Mingle? Um, no. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what you should try. You'll find, you you'll, you'll find Christian the right Mingle. one, baby. I mean, I like thugs. So. Well, there you go. Where you from? Maybe that's my problem. Jersey. Oh, if you like thugs, you go North Patterson. Damn, that was a well, terrible no, thing been, to say. Well, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely not going. Camden. There. I mean, I think my problem is, you know, um, New York guys. Mm. A lot of New York guys. Well, stay out of Harlem, Brooklyn, Holy Queens. Show. <laughs> where should you go? I don't know where she what should you, go. Why are you telling her to stay away from these know. places? I don't know. Well, good luck, hey. Mama. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up at any time. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building, Amara La Negra. Yeah, on. Thank you guys Good so morning. much for having me back. Yeah. And you know, last time I was here, it was very intense. So this time around, it's gonna be so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was intense. Uh, okay. Well, I, right. think, I think I think, the the, I think social was media made it intense after the fact, but I don't mm-hmm. think after it was the intense. Fact. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, we were good. We were good. We were good. Yeah. I just want to say, so you was at the Brooklyn Nets game. Yeah. Shout out to the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. And what player was trying to get in your DMs? Oh, I ain't telling. Which one of our Brooklyn t- Nets? Let me tell you something. If I were to say all the athletes and rappers that slide up in my DMs, <laughs> there would be a lot of broken marriages. Oh so let me be in my God. best behavior, okay? That's a compliment, though, right? I mean, not a compliment. Uh, she don't want sure to break up no marriages. Exactly. <laughs> that you're wanted so much. Something like that. Yeah. But you know what? It also depends because what exactly do you want me for? Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you're just trying to get my goodies, uh, it ain't going to happen. Now, let's talk about Jesse Wu because she accused you of allegedly oh, trying shucks. to holler at her man. That's the shady turn away, Amara. She said that you <laughs> told him, oh, you know, when she, do you ever cheat on your girlfriend? See... When she threw the bottle at me and everything else, you know, everything was gravy. I, I try to be very calm and collective. I always try to think before I act, and sometimes I'd be having a delay because, you know, I'm trying to process how to handle the situation because right. uh, I think about my image. Is this right? Am I, I think about jail? those things, too. I, I think about everything before I react. So when she did that, you know, I was whatever. But the moment she mentioned my mama, my mama. Mm-mm. It's a wrap. We're not having that. I'm going to have no respect towards you whatsoever. So since you mentioned her, I really wouldn't like to use my airtime right here, right now with y'all to talk about her. So therefore, I won't mention her name. However, 
I have no need to be trying to get anybody else's man because I already have enough d- trying to get at me. Like, I already have <laughs> enough dudes trying to holler at me. So there's no need for me to try to holler at anybody's man. Not to mention the fact that if I were to see him today, I don't even remember how he looks. The truth of what happened was I was having a meeting with my team and she came to my meeting because she wanted my manager to manage her. Mm-hmm. So... I was handling myself for Girl Talk, a TV show that I'm working on, yada, yada. She comes with her man. Her man decides to sit down in the table. We were talking about Girl Talk, and the question was, would you forgive your spouse if they cheat on you? A lot of people said no. A lot of people said yes. The question went around the table. Okay. It wasn't that it was just you and me. There were like six people in the table. My manager took her aside so they could have their business meeting, and then she came back. She wasn't even there. So I don't know what happened when he left or when they left. He gassed it up. It was funny how this happened, like, a year ago, and then when she was on the show, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, she wanted to bring this topic up. Not to mention that she's not even with the guy anymore. So mm-hmm. that makes you even look crazier. So, you know. We know everybody needs a storyline on Love and Hip Hop. I know, and then that's and why everybody, everybody wants to be part of my storyline. I get it. And that's why I was shocked when they said, uh, you know, they let you let them throw a bottle at you. Like, I feel like you would avoid all conflict I on did. Love and Hip Hop. And I apologize even for something that I didn't do just to create the peace. Does the but- violence make you want to quit the show? Of course, you know, because yeah. I, I, I don't I don't have that type of drama. Mm-hmm. I'm very anti-confrontational. It's like a Libra thing. But then again, I do know what I got myself into. Realistically, whether you see me on social media, you see me in real life, I'm always the same person. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I try to be very wise on how I handle every situation. Now, what is the problem that Bobby Lights has with you? I don't even understand where those issues stem from because he seems to think that you're fake and you're not this great person. Everybody thinks that I'm fake. Everybody thinks that I'm fake and I understand how a lot of people see me in the spotlight and see me being successful and see me here and there and she's in a cover and she's this and she's doing that fake ass and all these other things. We're all given the same opportunities. We're all on the same platform. We all have the same amount of airtime. How come you ain't popping? Put in the work. Well, listen, the, the person who named you don't want, want us to mention, Jesse Wu, she said your storyline last season about colorism was done for sympathy. Yes. Is that true? Well, um, you see, I'm very understanding. You see this? I understand how a lot of people that didn't know about me before loving hip-hop um, just think that I came out of the blue. But if you go back into interviews many, many, many years ago, mm-hmm. I have been an activist for the Afro-Latino community for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It just so happens to be that it took loving hip-hop, an American platform, for the people to actually listen to me. So you just can't, oh, that I did it for sympathy. I don't have to gain sympathy out of that because realistically, if it's also about talent, I'm talented. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. If I, if I decide to do anything besides music like Love and Hip Hop or reality show where I'm being maybe slightly ratchet, I know what I'm doing as well. Mm-hmm. I think things through very well. So Julian, was you trying to create a sympathy line for, for Jesse Wu? <laughs> No. Oh, why you like that? You like, you seem to like that conversation. Not really. Oh, okay, great. Because I don't <laughs> I don't care to entertain it either. Great. All right, we have more with a model and negative. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. A model and negative is here from Love and Hip Hop Miami. Charlemagne. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> whack when she you experience a little bit of hard luck and. 
a few bad things happen to you and you blame it on your friend putting roots on No, you. and then that she ain't got no man. Okay, well, that's something you need to work on your own. Oh, that you have beef with your friends. Well, maybe you should control your mouth. Oh, that your store hasn't sold any clothes. Well, maybe you should have better clothes. Find a marketing team. Find something. I mean, Y'all ain't never be friends. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> hell no. Nah. That's the point of no return. Listen, the same thing goes for anybody that mentions my mother is a rap. Just like Jesse, she did the same thing. She said, even in reunion, in reunion, right? Because she likes to put this act like she, oh, Bill. You signed the NDA now. Don't, you know you can't speak on the reunion. She was about to tell us something, Charlamagne. Why did you ruin that? You're right. Can I say it? What the hell is wrong with this guy? All right, exactly. I'm not trying to be like her, but just know this much. Besides the fact that she said you and your mama can get it, I know that my English is not very good looking sometimes, and I don't be understanding, but okay, I understand. You and your mama can get it. No, that can go one. either way now. Don't a guy care. can look at you and your mama and be like, yo, you and your mom can get it. No. She said that, and then on top of that, she went on social media. Talking about when my mother said beat her ass, obviously, I think any parent would, you know. If you see that your kid gets a, a glass bottle thrown at you, and I didn't do nothing, not even, I didn't even try to attack yeah, you her just back. stepped out the way. My mother said, if you see her again, beat her ass if she comes to you. Of course, I think any mother would have said the same thing. Is it the right thing to say? Maybe not. But then that's what she said, and she said, here's the difference in between my mother there's a professional nurse for 35 years and a woman that flips empanadas for a living or whatever that really Whoa. pissed me off too and and i have it as well you know i thought that was f up because thanks to that lady flipping empanadas i am where i am today what's by your, the way I, I, I was hoping Thank you i was hoping you were gonna bring empanada shop i was hoping you were gonna bring some of those empanadas because they look amazing i should have my mama and something that I'm very proud of as well that I want to put it out there is after so much work and sacrifice, I was finally able to buy my mom a house. Hey. And that makes me feel very proud. That's you beautiful. Know, a little seven-bedroom, five-little bathroom house. Okay. And she can't complain now. Yeah. How many people so, are living in this house? Just the two of us. In a seven-bedroom? Okay. Well, I'm well not you mad know what? You have to think big. Yes. Think big. I, I'm very ambitious. I think big, and I think that, you know, five years from now when nice. I come back, I will be in a better place. You have what the you babies. at one point? So let me tell you about my career. My music is doing great. And this EP called Unstoppable is available everywhere. You guys can go download it. I'm promoting um, this single called Celebra featuring Messia, which is really cool. Uh, this book is really good. Um, yeah. Actually, let me stop. Look. I don't talk about my personal life. Mm -hmm. I'm very private. That's why nobody has ever seen me or have seen anything or anybody that I date. And I have dated celebrities in the past. But Usher and I are just really good friends. True. There you go. Okay. Okay. But yeah, you, you yeah. are in a you are in a relationship with somebody now. You're seeing someone. I'm talking to someone right now. Yes. Is it Usher? Okay. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> is he okay? It's Usher. Is, is he in the entertainment business? Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> are you in love? Um, I am getting to know him. Okay. You know, I am very protective of my heart. You know, because you have to be, you especially to as a name? woman. So. So what? You know how to spell his first and last name? I do. Spell it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm waiting. I'm waiting because, you know, what about if it doesn't happen the way that I planned? Would that scare you from dating somebody? What? If they had herpes. Um, um, I don't think so. It depends. I mean, I know there's medications, there's treatments, and I think that also people are very ignorant on the topic, so you just think very herpes, true. and you think, oh, my God, I'm going to get, uh, I'm right. going to die, or, you know, don't get next to me. I got the herpes. Like, I just think that once you get informed on it, then so many you, people there's have ways it. Of, yeah, yeah, you have it's, to stop the stigma of, It's a oh terrible God. stigma around it, and it's really not 
like people think it is. Right, right. Yeah. So I just think that once you get informed, there's ways to go around it, and you can have a happy, you know, life. You can have an outbreak once and never have one again, if I guess, right? And you only can get it if the person's <laughs> having an outbreak. You should have seen how right. looked at me just now. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> but, um, yes, no, I keep my personal life very to say yes, no. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> but, uh, yes, no. Right, right, no. But I'm oh, Congratulations on everything. Thank Congratulations you so much. on Unstoppable. I, I know you have a full length album coming out soon, yes, too, this in year. Summer. Word. Samara Lenegra, it's the Breakfast Club. It's topic time. Call 800 585 1051 to join into the discussion with the Breakfast Club. Let's talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Gee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, if you just join us, uh, if you watch the Kardashians, uh, this is what happened, and then we'll explain it. Let's play the audio. He was really upset. She was putting her in the car, and Penelope scratched her face. If a kid's scratching, can you pop the kid in his cool? No, but you out? could also say something to her in the moment. I'm sorry, but if he scratched me for no reason, he I'm said, whipping her ass, and I'll explain to y'all later. What? I would have whipped her ass. You would whip Penelope's ass if she scratched you? <laughs> What are you talking about? Scratch me. You would whip my daughter's ass if she touched you. Now you explain what they're talking about. But yes, we're talking about um, Corey Gamble, that's Chris Jenner's boyfriend, said that if Penelope, who is Courtney uh, Kardashian's daughter, scratched him in the face, he would whip her ass. Right. Now I, I actually hit my uh, my niece when uh, when I was younger. I didn't know no better. I popped her on the hand and. I was wrong for it. I felt funny for it. Um, she was acting up, and I popped her. And I had a conversation with her dad. And, you know, we talked about it. It was no big problem. Was but he mad? No, nah, he wasn't mad at all. That, like, the, like, my grandmother used to hit, I remember my grandmother beating me for spraying rope spray on the stove just so I could see the flames go up. That's your grandma, though. Your grandma, your grandma is your big mama. You know what I'm saying? Your grandma is the person who used to beat your parents. So being that you came from her chairin, okay, she has the right to put her hands on you. She grandma did. really might be the only person. And I sprayed the rope spray, and then I, I, and I said something to grandma, like, don't hit me. And then when my dad got there, Bang. my dad beat me for talking to his mother like that. Exactly. See, listen, grandma and granddaddy might be the only person that have the rights to do that. But, I mean, me personally. He's kind of like a granddaddy, though. Who? What's his name, Ye? Corey Gamble? Yeah, he's kind of like a grandfather. No, grandfather. he's not. Why is he a grandfather? Look, he's the grandfather. Oh, he's the step-grandfather. Chris, no, yeah. but, no, no, but he's not but my blood. But they're not married. He's not my blood. My, my, the moral of the story is I don't beat my children. Uh, I don't beat my children because I just don't see the need. You know what I'm saying? And furthermore... I think that you could just have a conversation with kids, but I'm definitely not putting my hands on nobody else's child. Like, if you put your hands on somebody else's child, then me and you got smoke immediately. There's never a reason for you to put hands on my children. And what if I don't beat my kids, but you you hit my kids? Well, I've never, ever hit anybody else's kids either. I have three godchildren. I'm the number one babysitter. Actually, I feel like when uh, I'm babysitting, my responsibility is just to spoil other people's kids. I don't see nothing wrong yeah. with that. That's what you should do. That's as, all I do. As a godparent. I, they always or like, okay, uncle. I'm going to see Angela, so I already know what we're going to do. We're going to go shopping. We're going to go buy some new toys. We're going to get ice cream. I don't, I don't, I don't, my I, grandma I, hit me with an ashtray one time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did stupid stuff. I deserved it, though. <laughs> I deserved it. Listen, we all... It fixed me, straightened me right up. No, it didn't. So it's okay listen, for us to hit no, you? No, it didn't. Yes, we it all, did. Listen, we all got beaten <laughs> when we were kids. I got beaten with extension cords. My dad used to beat me with an extension cord, made me go take a bath. I used to have to go pick the switch. I had them little wooden utensils on the freaking kitchen 
kitchen wall. My Spoons. mama would hit me with those. But guess what? If we being honest, all of that was just abuse. And the truth of the matter is, all our parents was doing was the best they could. That's that's all, they were probably young parents at the time. That's the only way they knew how to discipline was through physical punishment. We know better in this generation. We don't got to beat our kids, and we damn sure shouldn't be putting our hands on nobody else's. Kendra. Yeah. G- good morning, Kendra. You ha- you ever hit somebody else's kids? Yes, I have. <laughs> wow. Uh oh. <laughs> um, I was actually inside the grocery store, and the little white kid calls me the B word. So I give his mom a chance. Yeah. So I give his mom a chance to reprimand him. You know, like, hey, you don't do that. That's disrespectful. He, he, he was sh-. So he calls me the B word again. He was like, bitch, hurry up. <laughs> and I popped him in his mouth. You got me f***ed up. Hey, Kendra, Kendra. Oh, my gosh. What is, Kendra, you can't walk around. That's Kendra, a beauty. Kendra. Her mama should have dragged. Yeah, her her mama, his mama, your her mama should have dragged your ass. And then in that locked school. you up. You can't just nope. be hitting kids you don't know. Kendra. You don't even know this kid. Hey. Robert, if he had Tourette's. I gave his mama a chance. Robert, yeah. if he had Tourette's and he had a problem and he would just be splurting out, bitch, so you just popped the kid in the mouth. Nah, come on now. See, then I would have felt bad. But see, she didn't say none of that. She was just like, yeah, hurry up. And just like stood by her son's side. So she loved him. (laughs) You got, what did the the mama do to you after you hit the child? Nothing. She just kind of looked at me like, I can't believe you hit my son. And I just looked at her. I was like, yo, you got a problem? I said, we can go out to the parking lot. Boy, y'all some brave (laughs) souls. Then you was about to fight the mom? If that lady would have pulled out a gun and shot you right there, she'd have been in the right because the story would have been, a uh, woman hits somebody's child in the store. Not even that crazy black woman. Yeah, crazy black woman hits a white <laughs> little kid in the store. A white woman, she guns it down. Kendra, where you from? That was, I'm from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, makes hey, sense. Hey, bitch, hurry up and get off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Hello, Sandra. Hey. Is it okay to discipline somebody else's child? Hey. I think it's perfectly fine. I have two children, and I have a boyfriend that's helping me raise them, and he's there. He's playing daddy. He does everything with them. And when my six-year-old gets out of line, it's perfectly fine for him to display them. I don't like that, especially being that you got your little boyfriend putting your hands on your children because you, you you don't know what kind of trauma your boyfriend might have. Your boyfriend might be going through something, and sometimes he might be mad and take it out on the kids. Hey, I mean, everything is done with me present. I think that if it's, you know, if I'm there and, you know, if he's not beating him and, pop you know, you know, hitting him with anger, I think it's perfectly fine. What if the child, what if the father, right, what if his girlfriend would uh, hit your kid? Well, I guess I'm a little different because our dynamic is a little different. My boyfriend communicates directly with my son's father. And when, you know, we share our custody of him. So mm-hmm. if, you know, he gets out of line and he gets a pop, that's fine. It's, as long as it's not like a beating or... You know, I'm just lashing you. If you have to pop him on his hand or, yeah. you know, pop him on his butt with, a t- with your hand, I think it's perfectly fine. Thank you, Mama. And that, that's the other thing people don't take into consideration. Sometimes you out and about in America and life is kicking your ass all day, and then you come home and you find out your kids did something wrong and you take out that pain on them. Man, please. No well, way, Jose. Keep it locked. We have more coming up next. It's The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. Dr. Claude Anderson. Welcome, sir. Well, thank you all for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Looks like I'm in good company. Yes, yeah, you Good are. morning. You know, you've been a very requested guest. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are always like, you got to have Dr. Claude Anderson on. You got to have Dr. Claude Anderson on. I've for years. Yes. People have been saying that. Well, you know why? I've been paying him well to ask you that. 
Is that is that what Powernomics is? Uh, no, Powernomics is specifically dedicated to uh, to trying to inform black folk and trying to elevate them to a higher level of competitiveness in the society and overcome the primary legacies of slavery and centuries of Jim Crow semi-slavery in the mm-hmm. South. We're in a very dangerous situation in this country as black folk, and this next year going to be our <coughs> last chance to get out of it. I thought you were about to say it's going to be our last year, period. I wouldn't doubt that either. It's pretty close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a very dangerous situation. And after all my years in politics and national politics and international politics, that's why I left uh, the government saying that somebody got to get out here and start raising cane on behalf of black folk. What did you do in government? Oh, I was assistant secretary of the United States Department of Commerce, the first black. I was also a chairman for economic development for governors. Also, I was only black to be appointed to be over the government's property disposal program, which means my signature alone, I can give away all kind of federal property to anybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also, I was an edu- educator for, uh, over the entire state of Florida education system for about eight years. And so I've been around the bond f- for a long time, but, but I, I've finally dawned on me that somebody got to get out here and start a raising cane on behalf of black folk. Now, how do we, how do we catch up? You, you know, we're, we're so far behind. How do we catch up to make sure that we can play in the same game or even on the same field? Well, the first thing I have to do is go back and correct what we've never done. Mm-hmm. In all my years in national politics and international politics, but most of the people you all are very familiar with by in name, they never, never, never addressed the primary problems of black folk. Our primary problem was not social integration or civil rights. The primary problem is you never corrected the legacies and burdens of slavery. Mm. See, the whole point of slavery was to do what? They never asked that. It was to socially engineer black folk into the lowest level of a real-life monopoly game. What, what means that they've now distributed almost 100% of all this nation's land, resources, rights, privileges, businesses, and controls of all levels of governments into the hands of the dominant white society. Black folk haven't got a snowball's chance of ever being a competitive people. You might struggle if it lasts another two or three years, but it's going to wipe you out pretty soon. You came out of slavery in 1860 having one half of 1% of this nation's wealth. Here you are 150 years later, guess what? You still own one half of 1% of the wealth. And in a nation, in a race-based society, it is what you own and control that determines your equal opportunities and your rights and privileges. It's that darn thing to do with civil rights. That's a waste of time. It doesn't have anything to do with the voting, but that's an intellectual masturbation process. Mm-hmm. Ain't gonna do any good. What you need is own and control wealth and power. They said intellectual masturbation. You, I heard you say that earlier on something I was watching. You said they get off, but it does nothing for them. You, you got it down pat, bro. That's like that's like you starving to death. Somebody give you a steak, you rub it outside your stomach. They ain't gonna do you any good. <laughs> they, they do the damn thing for you. you know, I said, no, quit, quit playing with black folk. Mm-hmm. So when I left the president, I was I ran a campaign. I guess. Well, let me see, let me go back. I guess I've been very privileged in all my year, years. Now I'm 85 now. So I reached the peak. I don't have to get along with anybody, damn body anymore. Man, that's a beautiful feeling. You know, yes, that, sir. That, that's one of the enrichments of age. But um. I decided after all the years of playing politics, I guess I was privileged in the sense of being the only black in the nation ever was a campaign manager, not in a campaign, but a campaign manager for, for governors, for presidents, for attorney generals, for state legislators, and congressmen. No other blacks had that. I felt for that reason, I had an obligation to get out here and do something for black folk. And so I don't play any games with black folk. I have most of the friends I know that you all probably have on your shows. Where they're, they're just trying to get some self-indiasment Elevation. I don't need it. Now, what did you think about uh, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker? I know you said voting is an illusion. Uh, they're probably nice people. They ain't going to do anything for black folk. You say, I, I have yet to this day ever heard or seen not one president, not one candidate for a public office ever get up and say, oh, here's what I'm going to do for black folk. That violates the entire premise of, of, of politics. 
Politics is a process that decides who's going to get what benefits out of life. It's based on a very simple premise, premise of quid pro quo. Politics, as you know it now, never existed until about the 1500s. And what it says, and it said, we will determine who gets what blessings and who gets and who who gets who suffers. And so, uh, consequently, nobody's ever stood up and said, "Here's what black folk are going to get." He's talking about the candidates. The first thing these black folks should be asking is not what candidate you're going to represent or going to vote for. Who cares? What you should be asking is, what are you going to get? What are you voting That's for? That's right. What are you going to get in exchange for your vote? That's right. What do you get? What are you voting for? What are you going to get? Mm-hmm. If you ain't getting a damn thing, why are you voting? And see, black, and not one candidate, in all the years I ran campaigns, not one candidate or one president, had, or one party, political party, neither the Republican or the Democratic Party, Libertarian Party, Green Party, not one has ever promised that if I get the black vote, here's what I'm going to do for black folk. It's the first year it's ever happened, and I think the only reason it's happened is because of all the hell that's being raised on social media. And, you know, like a lot of times when these presidential candidates come up here, we ask them specifically, what is your black agenda? See, you're right. And what did she say to you? Well, I mean, they all have little things here and there. The only person I've seen have a real live black agenda is Mayor Pete. He has the uh, Douglas plan, which is based off Frederick Douglass. Okay, right. And see, but most of them, what they can do is give you that old game that they used while doing, uh, <laughs> doing the formation of this country in 1789. Mm-hmm. And they, they met up in Philadelphia and says, "We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna build this nation, and we're gonna, and we're gonna create a document that make us the cradle of democracy. It's gonna be a constitution." And they said, "But it, and we're gonna make this a land of opportunity and freedom for everybody." Yeah, right. Okay. So they met in Philadelphia for a whole week. You know what they did for a whole week? They closed the doors and put guards on the windows in Philadelphia and said, now, we gotta, we got to write this Constitution, but we got a problem now. We, we got, if we're going to offer this as a land of opportunity for everybody, isn't it inconsistent and hypocritical for us to be getting ready to enslave all these darn black folk we, we're bringing into the country? He said, how are we going to get past that? They said, well, what we'll do, we'll run a game on them. They've been running that same game ever since. What we'll do in the Constitution, we use very broad and ambiguous terms and certain terms, certain of those broad, ambiguous terms would apply to whites and certain apply to black folk. So the United States Constitution said, we the people, all the people, all God, got a God-given right to life, living in pursuit of happiness. Initially, it wasn't even happening. It was really a property. It was black folk going to be property. And so that's, that's what it was structured on. And they said, well, what about black folk when they read the Constitution? They said, what we'll do, let's use other words. Let's use code words like uh, those who are indebted those who are in bondage, those who are property, those are three-fifths of a human being, mm-hmm. those who are equal to a field animal. And our people never figured that out. Mm. So you got all our, our civil rights leaders running around for years and running for public office like you're talking about, talking about we got rights. You don't have any rights in the Constitution. There's no rights for blacks in the Constitution. You got the United States Constitution in 1789 was strictly the first affirmative action plan in the country, strictly and solely for whites. Mm. And those who lay down could pass for whites. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And black folk are the only people in this country that can't pass for white. And when I, when I left the White House with President Carter in, in, in 1970, the Office of Management and Budget says, we're going to now gonna make everybody in here that comes into the country, we're going to start qualifying them as being white. See, up, until 19, like up to 1970, as an example, Hispanics were always white. They were always whites. Mm-hmm. But what happened in 1970, I was over education for the state of Florida at that time, <laughs> And I have the dubious honor of writing the, writing the second, affirmative, second affirmative action plan in the United States, but the first one for black folk. When I wrote the affirmative action plan, it was approved by the governor and the state cabinets, the systems. But not, <clears throat> I didn't write it for minorities and poor folk, those broad terms, people of color, 
and for diversity you know, and for gays and lesbians and midgets and humpbacks and one-eyed people. I wrote it strictly for black folk. Mic <laughs> <laughs> check one, two. You're checking out The Breakfast Club. Bang through the streets. Let's get back to our conversation with author Dr. Claude Anderson. So listen, how, is there any way that blacks can correct the resource imbalance? Yeah, yeah, you can. See, you start playing the game. That's why my second book, I wrote I wrote the first book called Black Labor, White Wealth. That was to show you every technique, every trick, every custom, every custom, every policy that the, that the major white society used to lock black folk into a lowest level of a real-life monopoly game and to maldistribute, maldistribute all the resources, period. And, it's, and, and power, I follow that with Powernomics. This showed this is a national plan for black folk. It says a national plan to empower black Americans, period. And what you first thing you got to do, to make it long story short, you got you to have what you never had in this country. That's a group self-interest. You've been inculcated and coordinated and brainwashed and believing that you got some obligation and responsibility to save the world. You got to save everybody first before you save yourself. Quit trying to save everybody. Why does always got black folk marching trying to save it? We're marching for gays. We're marching for women. We're marching for, for poor people. We're marching for the handicapped. And yet you only control one half of 1% of wealth. You haven't got a snowball's chance. And in, and in the end of slavery, as I said, you had one half of 1%. Guess what? The average white person at that point in time had 3,500 times more wealth than the average black. That means that 99% of everything in this country was, was in the white society. And it's still in the white society. I don't care from, from Vermont all the way to California, San Diego. 98% of everything of value is locked in, in the white society. 87% of it's frozen. Locked into white society. You can't get it out. So all you got to compete for is about 13% is up for grabs. Mm. And if black folk don't learn how to compete for that 13%, you are through. And right now, that's that's what's happening around the world. You see all these, it's, we're going to implode in this country. Same thing happening now, happening in Germany with the Jews. And there was a book out called Hitler's Willing Execution to say the same thing. When certain kind of things began to happen to you as a group, you better be very careful. And, and they started exterminating the Jews. Why? Because you got a group now that you all don't know about called uh, the Council of 300. What they want to do now is say, we got too many people on the earth and we're going to start losing resources. There ain't going to be enough resources left. We got water. We're going to have water shortages coming. And water shortages come. What follows that is food shortages. Right now, 20% of the world is suffering from water shortages. So what the council and all these government, all these rich people on the earth are saying is that we got to start getting rid of some of these people. We're going to start with the non-producers. Now, who are the non-producers in America? The only people in America that produces absolutely nothing except sweat is black folk. <laughs> That's you, you, real, you, though. I get what you're saying. I feel you. No, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now, all of our people that are supposed to be successful, guess what? The only thing they produce is sweat. They're running with balls, football, basketball, baseball, tennis ball, <laughs> golf ball, singing and dancing, singing and dancing, <laughs> producing sweat. Nobody's buying any damn sweat. <laughs> now, how are you going to feed yourself? Right. We don't produce anything. We don't have any industries. And we had a chance to get industries in the 1700s when the Industrial Revolution went through Europe. Black folk were slaves. When the Industrial Revolution went through America in the 1800s, we were still enslaved. We own and control absolutely nothing. You don't think that's changing now a little bit? Oh, man, no. It's getting worse. As a matter of fact, let me, let me give you a difference. Right now, we got all these people that you're running for public office talking about. We got we to gotta, we gotta look for eradicate poverty. You cannot eradicate poverty. Poverty is a fix. It's a govern. It's a given. You cannot eradicate poverty. Why? <laughs> because just like you can't eradicate, you got an up, you got a down. You got an in, you got an out. That is a fix. You cannot change it. And they always got people wanting to eradicate poverty. 
what you should be saying is leave poverty alone and go down and try to figure out how to get black folk out of poverty. Don't mm. be trying to eradicate poverty. Leave poverty alone and get blacks out. What did you think of Barack Obama being president? But, but Barack Obama is a joke. Barack Obama didn't do a darn thing for black folk. As a matter of fact, he hurt black folk in two ways. First of all, he had eight years to do something for black folk, but he carefully, indigenously, involved and, uh, and judiciously avoided avoid doing anything for black folk. And most of my white friends told me in politics, and I, I was always with president governors, they say, hey, we would never have voted for Obama if we'd known black, he's going to do something for black folk. We knew he would never do anything for black folk. Mm. And so, but that's the first thing. He never did anything for black folk. But he, did, but he, he used that old thing that they did in, uh, back in Philadelphia in 1789. He used very broad, ambiguous terms. I'm the, I'm the president of all the people. They got They say they like to say a rising tide lifts all boats. That's a stupid thing. Yeah, because a black cause black people boat got a hole in it. That's right. It's in the bottom of the damn lake. Yeah. See, but 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 black folk. Well, if a rising tide would lift all boats, if a rising tide would lift all boats, why isn't all these immigrants coming here and building industries and businesses and blacks were slaves? Why did why didn't they rise? Because they were excluded. At the, on the, at, black people are outside and underneath the system, and they don't let you come together and, and together. And how do they stop you from coming together? Since they wouldn't let you coalesce doing slavery, they, they come up with this whole concept called social integration. Social integration is a divisive issue. It divides you. It doesn't pull you together. It's a weakening process. You understand what I'm saying, bro? Mm -hmm. It weakens you. If I put a cup of coffee right now in front of you and pour cream in it, do I make it stronger? Hell no, you make it weaker. <laughs> that, that's right. So black folk went for social integration. I've always asked, do I, uh, has integration helped to harm the black community? I knocked, think it harmed. Knocked the black folks' brains out. Black folk had up a hundred times more before social integration hit. See, I'm old enough to tell you all that. You all not old enough to know that yet. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, see, we had something. We didn't have a, we didn't have the resources we needed as much as we needed, but we had something. We had communities. We had communities all over America, and every city, every city had a major community. Here, Harlem, places like that. Yeah, we only hear about Black Wall Street. Sometimes you hear about Bronze, Bronzeville in Chicago. Right. I can't remember the town in North Carolina, but we don't hear about that they were literally those communities all over the country. That's right. Well, Sweet Auburn and, and Atlanta, Georgia, every, that's had all the big hotels, fine restaurants and everything. In North Carolina, what you're talking about now, see, I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Let me use that as an example. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We, did, we weren't looking for any social integration. You know why? Because we had our own businesses there. My family was a part of one that had the only black bus line in the entire United States. The only black bus line. And when I say we had a bus line, I'm not talking about two or three buses. We had over 500 buses Wow! in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We had our own restaurants. We had our own hotels. We had our own school systems. And the, and the bus line is an example. We don't kill our buses. What? Social integration. When all of a sudden, you all start talking about Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King going down to Alabama, want to integrate the bus lines. Integrate whose bus lines? White bus lines. What they, what, they, what they want? They didn't want to own and control and get the resource. They just want to sit they on the ride. front of it. Yeah. Now, if you want to get on a bus, what you want to do is just want to mm. sit on the front of it. Mm. Now, if the bus is moving, then the back of the bus will be where the front of the bus will move in a fraction of a second. And everybody gets off at the same time. And so in Winston-Salem, we had our own buses. And so uh, when that movement was, was successful in Alabama, came up to Winston-Salem. And blacks in Winston-Salem says, we want to ride on front of some white buses. So we said, we don't have any white buses. They said, well, we'll get some so we can ride on the front of them. <laughs> I feel like a complete ass because I never thought about that. Like that whole time they did the boycott, they should have been trying to establish their own bus company oh, opposed to wanting to ride. I never thought about that. Y'all boycotted for a year just to want to ride on the front? 
See, you're a smart man. I, think, I never thought about that. <laughs> but, you, but you got it now, yeah, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you said, no, I don't, what, what difference does it make with them sitting on the front or the back? See, on the, and, and, uh, and our safe bus company, SAF, you, you can go to your computer and find out about the safe bus company and what's the sale. See, we, we, we own the buses. Mm-hmm. We own the resources. We, all of our mechanics were blacks. All of our drivers were blacks. Electricians were black. Everything was black. And, uh, and so they said, well, we just want to ride on the front of their buses. We had two cab companies in Winston-Salem. Mm-hmm. Guess what? As a resource, Whites had three cab companies. No, they had two cab companies. They had the Bluebird and the Yellow Cab. We had the Harris and the Campbell City cabs. But guess what? When that integration movement started, you know what they wanted to do? Blacks didn't want to ride in black cabs anymore. They wanted to ride in white cabs. Mm-hmm. In Winston-Salem, we had, uh, we had our own movie theaters. We had, we had the Lincoln and Lafayette. There was a Lincoln and Lafayette theater in every major city and every black community in America. Mm-hmm. But, and Whites had, they had, they had three movie theaters. They had a Farsight, Carolina, and a State Theater. We didn't care, but we had our own movie theaters. And uh, so guess what? Blacks didn't want to go to the white black theaters and want to go to the white theaters. We swear white ice is cold. Sure did. What do you think about the conversation that they're having about reparations now? Well, I, I've spent about 60 years that's no books for them. Most of that, most of that, most of that dialogue is being generated by my books. Mm-hmm. And but unfortunately, most of the people now they're trying to latch on to the reparation movement don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. They're Johnny come lately are claim jumpers. They want to jump in on the on their movement just to get their name in the paper. They don't have a plan about what they're gonna do for reparations. But black folk entitled reparations. You are never getting things you started demanding. And the first thing you should be demanding is what they didn't do this during the civil rights movement. They should have gone back. In 1960s, instead of talking about social integration, that money. Thank you. Economic empowerment. And right. economics. First, you, you, you build these communities. Mm-hmm. Right now, we do not have not one single black community in America. Mm-hmm. Not one. You, it's impossible for you to play as, as a community, it means you got a team. People got mutual understandings, interests, and, and direction and plans. You don't have a, you have not one black community in America. All you got are black neighborhoods. A neighborhood is where you eat and sleep. A hotel is a neighborhood. A neighborhood is like having a bucket with holes in it. You pour in water and it runs out. It has no effect. And in some of these neighborhoods, it's gotten so bad now, they're not even neighborhoods anymore. The crime has gotten so high, they ran the neighbor out. All you got left is a hood. That's right. That's why they call it the hood. Nothing left in there. They don't have any communities. They have a community, you must have three elements to be, make a community, qualify as a community. You must have a wholly independent economic structure that can produce jobs, services, goods, products, and resources for your own people. Two, the second thing you must have in there, you must have a code of conduct saying this is how we're going to behave. Here's how we're going to love and support each other. Here's how I'm going to get along. Here's why when I go to the breakfast club, I'm going to love and respect those blacks on there, appreciate them, mm-hmm. care about them, protect them. And lastly, you must have politicians elected to office who will represent you first and foremost. You don't put black folk in public office that will look out for everybody else before they look out for you. If you don't have those three things, you don't have a community. All you got are neighborhoods. And that's what we got in this country. With no neighborhoods. And once you get that neighborhood, then you go to Anderson's third, go to Anderson's five-story building. Now you got to go back in that community and do what I told you in my books. You must build a five-story building. Once you get a community, that's your platform. That's your baseline. Is because you got turf and territory. It's like building a house. Mm-hmm. Now you got something situated on. You can't build a house with nothing. You got to have has to be structured on something. And once you've got that foundation, that community, now the first thing you work on is economics. 
you started practicing group economics in a vertical order, practicing group economics, making your money bounce in your own community eight to 12 times before it leaves, spend your money with your own people first, buy from your own people first. That, so you get an economy going in your community, for buying your own people's products, services, and goods, like you do in Chinatown, any other town, Mexican town. And once you get that economy going, then once you, then you get the profits coming, the resources, the money coming in from your from your economy, then you go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. Our people got that backwards. They want to get into politics before they get an economy. Backwards as hell. You won't make it. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about voting. Voting is immaterial. Voting is a game. It's a form of entertainment. So when you when you get to the second floor, you take the money that you get from the first floor and you buy the second floor. You buy every politician. You buy every politician with the money you made on the first floor. So should we vote at all? I'll tell you that in one second. Okay. If, you got, if you got enough money, if you haven't got enough money to buy them, then you rent or lease them, okay? So you can get what you want. Make them do what you want to do. And then, then you make those politicians then go to the third floor. The third floor is your political, it is your court system, your police system. Mm-hmm. And make those politicians on the third, second floor control the politicians to quit shooting black kids on the street mm. and mistreating and cat and beating black folk. Mm-hmm. You control the court system so they won't be getting then 40 years in jail for, for hair marijuana and all that kind of stuff. You got it. So your, your second floor controls your third floor. Your courts controls your judges and stuff. Just like I'm talking about with Trump and all that. Mm-hmm. Then the fourth floor, what you get into, you get into, you get in is media. You take your money off the first floor and you buy media. You got about 12,000 radio stations in the United States. Black folks, out of that 12,000, black folks that own a major portion, at least 15% of them. You got you got 12, you got 12,000 cable systems. Blacks don't own it, basically none of them, Holly. You have 5,000 daily newspapers. They don't own a damn daily newspaper. You got 5,000 TV stations. Blacks might own one someplace or two of the best. You don't own, you, in other words, black folk own 35,000 of 1% in media. Mm-hmm. You don't own media, you can't communicate, you can't organize, you can't motivate. And so so you got it. So that so that's the structure. If you want to play, if you want to build your wealth and power, that's how you do it. You spend your and once you build up build that economy, spend your money with your own people. Make it bounce eight to ten times. In this country right now, Hispanics let, no, let's, let's take Hispanics. Hispanics bounce their money on an average of six to seven times in Mexican time, little Havana, little Cuba. White folks typically bounce their money eight to 12 times. Arabs and Asians bounce their money about 13 or 14 times. Jews bounce their money about 18 times. Black money doesn't bounce once. Mm. As soon as a black person gets paid, he runs straight to somebody else's business and gives them their money. That means they go, they go bankrupt every night. Every black neighborhood goes bankrupt every night at 7 o'clock. Stays bankrupt until the next morning. <laughs> they don't own any damn businesses. <laughs> when a white man or somebody else closes their doors, they go bankrupt. Well, we're overcoming. We're progressing. Wait, where's the progress? Mm-hmm. Oh, someplace. Well, oh, we got social progress. What was the fifth, the fifth, fifth floor? I think I might have missed that. Oh, you I said, missed it. Oh, you said economics, politics, politicians, media, education. On the top. Education. education. And, All right. And again, the fifth floor was education. And here again, I, I, based on my collective experiences, I got hell. I got six college degrees. And, and been, all, been in all levels of government from the highest to the lowest, international politics, head of trade missions of third world countries. I said, black folks should understand education is the last thing. Education is a tool, just like a hammer and a saw. But you got you got to have an economy to be able to use it. That's why these black kids go get a damn degree. They can't get a job in the black community. 
they got to go go back to a white community, somebody else's community, to somebody else's business, and ask for a job. And once you do that, white people place the value on your, what your education is worth. Mm. That's why I can go past McDonald's and Burger King, got black kids there with master's degrees, mm. mopping floors mm. and working as clerks mm -hmm. with degrees, high college degrees in Burger Kings and McDonald's. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because they got, they got master's degrees, but they mastered nothing. And so because, because we don't have an economy. See, when a kid graduates from school, the first thing you do, he should be able to go back to his own community and start building businesses and industries and drawing money into his community and holding it. And see, the Asians learn that way back, and they learn it very quickly. That's why they come in, they figure about after fifth year in, college, in school, meaning after they graduate from a degree, they work in a job, two or three jobs, by five years. By the sixth year, they're going to have their own factories and industries and businesses. Right. That's why one out of every Asian has a business. One out of every th uh, 35 whites have a business. Every 53, one out of every 53 his, Hispanics have a business. Only one out of about 105 blacks have a business. Wow. And well, we appreciate you joining us in this great wow. conversation. Man, that, listen, we did, Dr. Clark got all of this work if you need it. <laughs> That's okay? right. Black label, white mm -hmm. wealth, more dirty little sure, secrets. Sure, sure. Get, get the camera on this. There we got it. Dirty little secrets. We got the camera on. A black reader. Mm-hmm. You got it already? Power Dynamics right, right here. If you want to get more from Dr. Claude Anderson, he got plenty of information to give you. Well, and see, what I want on those books, I wrote those books for a very specific reason, and I need help from you all. I can't get them into the school system. Really? Yeah, because it's, every state has a book selection committee. It's all white. And whites are basically homicidal, not suicidal. They ain't going to put them in my books. <laughs> 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 they're they not going to kill themselves. They ain't going to kill themselves. We're going to test those whole blacks out of practice group economics. Yeah. And so, uh, in the, even in the black college campus, you're going to, guess who? Barnes & Noble has the, all the bookstores on the black college campus. is owned by whites. Book selection committee is all whites. I go out in Alabama. There's a doctor answer. We love you, but we only got one black book in the whole state of North Carolina, in, in, in the state of Alabama. Mm. The Bible. Yeah, that's one book, but only one copy of that. <laughs> in all the damn universities, can only get one in. And I said, but I want my books in all the charter schools, the public schools. They can't get them in there. And what I like to do, if y'all don't mind, and I apologize if, 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 it's, if it's something that you wouldn't want to do, I'm going to publicize across this nation that the Breakfast Club, I, they're going to push like hell to get these books into these schools and yes, say, sir. we don't want just reading white books. Let's do it. Absolutely. Okay. Now, can I do that? And it's okay. Yes, sir. Okay. We're going to keep all of this in. They're going to see it themselves. We're going to put this out. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta spend more time talking about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Claude, Dr. Claude thank you. Yeah, no, thank you all. It's the and, and, and believe me, I love you all. We okay. Love you back. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed way. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the Day. <laughs> <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years that Donkey of the Day is a new one. Yes, Donkey of the Day goes to a 29-year-old man from Los Angeles named Eric Holder. He is the alleged suspect in the murder of the black man known as Nipsey Hussle. Um, by now, I know you have seen the surveillance video of the shooting on TMZ. The LAPD said Eric Holder walked up to the three men and fired a bunch of shots. If you've seen the video, you can see that for yourself. He committed this crime while Nipsey and two other men were standing outside his Marathon Clothing Company store on Slauson Avenue. Let's go to CBS LA for the report, please. This is the man the suspect wanted 
in the murder of Nipsey Hussle. Now, this is Eric Holder. He was last seen in a 2016 white four-door Chevy Cruze with California license plate 7RJD742. Now, the screech is saying Eric Holder is a known informant and hater, and Nipsey simply didn't want him around his store. Nipsey asked him to leave, told him he couldn't be around, and Eric Holder snapped. He snapped because there's nothing more fragile on this planet than the male ego. All right, men cannot take rejection, and Nipsey telling his brother to beat it hurt his pride so much that he decided to come back and kill that man. Uh, I'm not going to lie to y'all. The death of Nipsey Hussle hit a little different, okay? I'm not okay about this. I'm tired of hearing stories about humans killing other humans for absolutely nothing, and it really hits different when those humans are black men because what happened to Nipsey can happen to any of us at any given time, all right? Hearing that happen to Nipsey makes me question my own mortality in a very different way because if that happens to brothers like Nip, what hope do the rest of us have, all right? Nipsey was a father. He had a woman. He was a brother. He was a son, a grandson, a friend. He was a man who seemed to be doing everything the right way, all right? Nipsey was a made man for real. He released most of his music through his own label, so he had that independence that so many people want. He was an investing in his own community. He bought back the block for real. He had that whole plaza on West Lawson Avenue where his marathon clothing store was. And he had plans to build a residential building in it with low-income housing, all right? People don't even know that yet, all right? Nipsey opened a co-working space in STEM Center in South L.A. called Vector 90, which was simply meant to be a connector of young people to Crenshaw to opportunities in Silicon Valley. Not to mention, Nipsey was killed a day before he was set to meet with the LAPD chief and police commissioner to discuss ways to slow down local violence. The irony of him being killed a day before this meeting. So Eric Holder, a brother from Nipsey's hood, a brother from that community who knew Nipsey and Nipsey knew him. That brother literally hurt the very person that God sent to help people just like him. We cut our nose off despite our face too often in our communities, and it's exhausting. It's very exhausting. It's sad. I'm disappointed, frustrated, and scared because it's not just Nipsey, okay? It happens way too many times to too many of us, all right? And it really makes you question whether or not we need to be frontline in our communities at all because it seems like when you make it, especially when you make it in some form of entertainment or athletics or anything that gives you some sort of celebrity or fame, you become a target, all right? Eric Holder is just the latest in a line of hurt people who hurt people, okay? A lot of brothers are simply in pain, and they just keep redistributing that pain to people who look just like them. But Eric Holder, you killing Nipsey, not going to kill your trauma. If you are still alive right now, whatever you were going through before you killed Nipsey has been multiplied times 100. Now you got a whole nother set of problems, and that's why I'm so big on dealing with your mental health and going to therapy and getting to the root of our internal issues because, my brothers, we got to heal. If we don't heal, we just going to have another generation of trauma of passing yourself off as culture, all right? And this is why I was telling y'all yesterday to stop with the conspiracy theory surrounding the good brother Nipsey Hussle. His family and friends didn't appreciate that at all, okay? Nipsey you know, didn't get killed because he was doing a documentary on Dr. CB. Nipsey got killed by a jealous, envious, hating-ass dude from his community who clearly already had some deep-rooted issues and a fragile ego. And he couldn't stand the rejection he received from Nipsey. Like, seriously. I want y'all to really think about this for a, sex for, a, for, a sex for a second, okay? You think the government is going to get Nipsey killed for a documentary that's not even out yet? But that same government going to let thousands of videos of Dr. CB live on YouTube? If they would go so far as to kill Nipsey for that, why wouldn't they just call YouTube and say, take those down? Like, seriously, what's wrong with y'all that y'all believe that? But I'm not going to go back and forth with y'all about that because that's, a, that's just a distraction. And if we're sitting around pointing the finger at everyone else, then we're not dealing with what we need to be dealing with, and that's ourselves. And by the way, 
I'll play white devil's advocate with some of y'all and say, you know what? I believe you. It is a conspiracy. But what about all the other brothers who got shot and killed in L.A. this weekend? What about the brothers getting shot and killed in Philly and Chicago and Jersey and Atlanta? Are those conspiracies, too? We act like we don't see this happen to our people all the time in our communities. And I don't want to feel like I can't be around my own people. But that's where all the real threats to my life are coming from. By the way, I don't have any answers. I'm just doing my part the best way I know how. And the only thing I know to do right now is to encourage people, if they know Eric Holder's whereabouts, you know, uh, turn them in. You know, call 1-800-222-TIPS. Got to get people like this off the street because this man isn't going to do nothing but hurt someone else. So if he is still alive, which he's probably not, say something. And I know in L.A. y'all going to tear the streets up looking for this guy uh, or, or, or tear the streets up, you know, seeking revenge on his family and friends and people that know him. But just know, no matter how many people get shot, no matter how many people get killed, it's not going to bring Nipsey back. And we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Please give Eric Holder the biggest hee-haw. I'm not, I'm not right about any of this. This, 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 this hit a little bit different. And it really, really, really bothers me and has been weighing on my mind very heavily. All right. Because I don't have any answers as to what we are supposed to be doing. All right, we got more coming up next. We're The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, sir. Blueface. Welcome back, son. Ooh. What's happening, What's man? happening, my brother? You had a lot going on in the last yeah. couple of oh, yeah. weeks, man. Since oh, the last the time last we've seen year. you, it's been yeah. crazy. A lot of gang <laughs> I feel, I feel like I hear more about like the BS and the drama than I do the music nowadays. Yeah, that's how it work, man. Yeah. That's how it work these days. How you feel about all that? Uh... <laughs> well, it's not just you and the drama. Now your family's involved. Oh, so yeah, Everybody's yeah. speaking yeah. out about things. Yeah, right. What happened with mama now? What happened with mama and your sister? I'm not going to get too far into detail, but I'm... But well, we see most of I, it. I know, I know. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, not, it's not too much for me to, you know... But uh, pretty much, they just came down, visit regular. My mom got her own spot, her own thing going. She's good. Uh, my sister, on the other hand, she, you know, she's going through her life situation. So she came down. I was gonna help her out, you know, get her get her back going. And then they just, you know, got to to a little advantagey. So I kind of like had to come back a little bit because you know the expectations get higher when people tend to think you gonna, you know, you got money and stuff. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. So I had to, you know, just fall back. That's your there. mama though. He said his mama good. Yeah, my mom good. good. She okay, got a whole okay. house. She stay in Ohio. She she good. It's really my sister. That's what they came down for. The mm-hmm. whole purpose they came down for was my sister. Did you know they were coming out or did they just yeah, pop yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. They've been here for a whole week. Okay. They was already they was already in the house. They was already cool. Everything was great. Do they not get along with your girlfriends? Uh no, nah, because at the time, this is when I just brought them, introduced them mm-hmm. to the new girls. So they're like, oh, well, like, you know. They not sure how to feel about the new like you know two girls. I can understand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's a weird situation, and, and they're women, so they probably exactly, and they women, mm-hmm. so they a little bit more catty. Like, oh, okay, you know how atti- women's are with their attitudes and things. So and plus, you're her brother, so she probably wants to make sure women aren't <coughs> taking advantage of you at the same time. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure she's protective of you. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it was no bad intended at all, mm-hmm. as far as the girls go. Like. It wasn't. It had nothing to do really with that. Mm-hmm. That's just what the media made it out to be. Yeah. Why did Why did Instagram spin it in that way? Because they had this hand. You was telling your mom she clout chasing and all kind of other stuff. I don't even know. The sh- I don't. I don't know. The media. You know, the media do do strange things. Mm-hmm. The, the lie was we really just blew it off the top. 
And that's where that's where it went left for me too. I'm like, why the why the hell my mom going on live? It was a crazy situation because it also revealed that you had two girlfriends, which is something people didn't yeah, know exactly. prior to that. So how did that situation work out? One is your child's mother. Yeah, yeah. And then the other girl, did she know her already, or you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It? Yeah, they already knew about each other, so that's that's why I was like, hey, you might as well, you know. You don't want me to lie to you. You don't want me to lie to you. Let's just. I respect it. God damn it. Together. <laughs> right. So honesty can work. It, yeah. Were you All lying right. before that, like keeping them separate and lying to them? Yeah, and then, exactly. Am so, I got time for that? How'd you get that, caught? Right? You making enough yeah. money to bring it all together? That's now tell me how this happened. So how'd you get caught, and how'd you say, okay, I gotta just be honest? I mean, I didn't really get caught because they already knew, like the whole time. You know, kind of a, you know, kind of a dirt bag. <laughs> do you cheat? So wait, wait, do you cheat on your girlfriends? Black men don't cheat. Do you cheat Black on your men girlfriends? Don't cheat. Black men don't cheat. Anyway, do you cheat on your girlfriends? He's not or... cheating. He bought a whole other. I had two cheating. girlfriends. Yeah. I'm saying, do you de- date anybody else besides them, or is it just uh, no, the two no, of them? No, 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 no. I was, I was going hard. It was just us two, as mm-hmm. you can see, right? I, mean, I was making, it, <laughs> making it do what it do. Yeah. That got to get stressful a little bit, though. Did it? What was the most stressful thing about it? Huh? Uh, the beginning probably was the stressful, like the most stressful, like them having to watch, you know. Watch what? what? <laughs> or you smash the other one? <laughs> yeah. Or not? Not technically watch, but like switch, watch, you know, look. Or oh, they uh, wasn't in uh, the uh, before uh, you is what you said. No, nah, they they was they was bisexual, but I'm okay. saying, you know, you know, imagine you loving somebody and then somebody else coming and you gotta, you know, like Divide watch, yeah, yeah, not yeah. watch, but you obviously watching you there. So this, that was the hard part at first. Does the baby mama love the other woman now? Uh, nah, nah, nah. We didn't get that far. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you divvy up the time? Like, as far as which bedroom do you do you have the same bedroom? Yeah, everybody together. Bedroom. Everybody, we was all in together. Was, so know, when you're not there, what are you doing? Full flesh team. They, it's even better. They got somebody else to be lonely with. Boy, you better keep <laughs> these records coming, boy. Somebody else to be boy. lonely with. Yeah. Because when yeah. that money dry up, it's oh no no, it's already house. I already cut. It's uh, it, it ain't even last long, man. What? It's over already? Yeah, it's over. What the two girlfriends? You broke up. You done, man. Well, not. Yeah, I still got my BM though. That, that's and cool. I saw that's you forever. tweeted that um, you're, that you're very fortunate to have yeah, her so. as your baby mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What made you tweet that? You're watching things happening on social media. Uh, man, nah, some some bullshit happened, man. It was all over. It was a joke. It could have been a joke. Mm-hmm. Could have not have been a joke. But at the point I'm in right now, I ain't got no time to figure out if it was a joke or you not. You know anything? So. You got robbed. No, no, no. I had, it was on live or whatever, and I'm like, yo, they said they y'all here for the so-and-so and so-and-so, and my BN was like, nah, 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 nah. The other girl, she just gave a, a bad answer. What was the saying? answer? I missed it. It was line. a real, like, you ask a girl, like, are you here for me? And she said anything. Oh, she said something like, I'm yeah, here for the money or exactly. something like that. If she said uh, any, anything other than, yeah, I'm here for you, then it's like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So y'all yeah, just yeah. broke up. Yeah, yeah, this recent. It's that's, right. that's when I tweeted that. Yeah. You got your like, matching tattoos? Yeah. Where, where's her tattoo? On her hand. You got you ain't get no tattoo of her though, right? No, oh. So did she have to move out already? <laughs> <laughs> I look like. Huh? She had to move out. So she already moved out. Uh I mean she, she made it she made it easy. She she thought it was a smart idea to after the comment, not even, you know, rub my feet. Uh, you know, <laughs> lick my She decided You mad, so I'ma be mad and just So if she would have licked your it'd have been okay. Possibly, you know, I might. That's a good way to apologize. Right? I feel you. Yeah, show some respect. So she, she thought to get mad because I was mad. She pulled one of those. Like, all right, you mad? So I'm gonna get mad because you mad at me. And she left for the day. And you just changed the locks. That was a wrap. I told myself. I said, if she come back tonight, you know, I might, uh, I might, you know, she 
she she left for the whole night, so she got back. You know, it was. So she did. She did try yeah. to come back though. No, nah, I mean she didn't it's leave okay, to. She didn't leave to leave, but I, her leaving period after yeah. that was like, uh, you must really think that's what's going on if you think you just leave mm-hmm. overnight and, you know. Well, now your sister and mom, you proved them right. It was never really about the girls. I think they was honestly more jealous of the affection I was showing to the girls. Mm-hmm. Cause, you know, your mom and your sister, they obviously feel like, oh, uh, you know. But it's like they got to understand it's two different type of relationships. Uh, yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they <laughs> got. Have you spoke to your moms? Yeah, yeah. Y'all swatched the beef and everything? Or? Pretty okay. much. I mean, I'm not, I'm not tripping on them. I'm but not, are they tripping? I'm not mad at them at all. I don't know. They act like I you've changed know. since you've gotten some money and some fame. No, right? You supposed to though. Do you feel like there's things about you that are different? Because you're right, you do change when you get a little money, a little fame. People do have to move differently. So do you feel uh, like you have changed? I think when you get money, it, it, it changes the people around you That's more. A fact. More than to change yourself. All right, well, keep it locked. We got more with Blueface. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. That was Blueface with GoDaddy. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Blueface is here. Charlamagne? I saw a fan tell you on Instagram that all your songs sound the same, and you said, yeah, it's less work. Yeah. So is, are <laughs> less work. It's less work. So you just keep making the same No record? rap cap. Huh? You keep making the same record. They gonna keep work? listening. Why the f not? God damn, blue f. Yo, how you stay you around. sit here. You sit here all day in the same chair. They still watching it, right? No, but I'm saying different things every single what the day. F- y'all it's sitting here. Content. Y'all sitting here standing in the same every day. You talk. You talking about what? It's different talking? content because you might be here today, but then Minister Fragon might be here tomorrow. So it's always different content. Shoot that same chair though. Now you, whack, you still whack, now you there can't say bald you, as a mother. Take the same song over and over and expect it's to have obviously, a career. That's obviously not the Listen, same. He's not making the same song over and over again. It's like saying game making the same songs over and over again. His voice gonna sound like Blueface. Exactly. Like not to me. That's his style gonna sound like Blueface. His yeah. flow is Blueface. You know, I, I got all the songs, so you know damn well I, we not. I'm not letting nothing go. That just everything sounds the same. So whack, why you there? What happened with you and Mike Tyson, man? <laughs> Do you really think you could beat Mike Tyson in fight? Definitely. I think I can beat everybody, like my artists. You like, ain't supposed to think no other way. What you mean? <laughs> Mike Tyson, though, they get a little slide on some of them. You know what I mean? Look, Envy, you supposed to think you can whoop me. I don't know. I would <laughs> definitely let Envy win. That's my brother. <laughs> I don't know all the man I had to whoop Charlamagne ass because he ain't going to let me lay that down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're going to have to whoop Charlamagne ass. <laughs> now, Blueface, where are we at with these legal issues? Because I know you have to go to court next month. We well, go to court for you. Which one? The yeah, highway, the highway shoot. And it feels like the more attention you're getting, it seems like more people are trying to target you for different things. Do you feel like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Lawyer put the gloves on and we beat another case. That's a misdemeanor. For the record, for everybody to know, the freeway incident has been reduced to a misdemeanor. That's the court. I don't know about the blogs. The judge. Misdemeanor. It's a misdemeanor. Okay. So you good then. Great. You gonna get you another girlfriend? Or you gonna you gonna you gonna thug it out uh, with I might, just one for I now? Might. We, we, look, we taking applications. <laughs> taking applications. <laughs> well, blue faces. I've been trying, trying to get polygamy legalized for a long time. No, you, you have You just you better. Stop. Yeah, you better stop. You ain't got enough game for that. <laughs> All you need is money. You you proof for that? <laughs> you trying to say my guy ain't got games all about money? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I ain't gonna go, go too far into that, you know? That's I ain't gonna go spot. too far into that. Be easy, take your chick, just be easy. Yeah, yeah, be easy. So August 9th is the EP? Yeah, yeah. August EP, 9th. August okay. 9th. What's the name of it? Dirtbag. Dirtbag. Yeah. <laughs> right. Makes sense. Right? 
That's what I said. <laughs> why, like, why you want to call it dirtbag? I'm a f***ing dirtbag. <laughs> blue face bleed him. We, we appreciate you for joining Ooh. us, man. No, nah, I appreciate y'all having me, man. All right. Blue face. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time for your positive note. Give me some positivity. Uh, Marianne Williamson, one of my favorite quotes from her is a great quote. She says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. But you can always pay to get your kids into college. What up, y'all? It's DJ MV. Hey, I'm Angela Yee. And I go by the name of Charlamagne Tha God, and we just want to say happy holidays from all three of us. All three of y'all. The Breakfast Club. 